I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Amen. We're on a firm foundation, church. Want everybody to stand all over this sanctuary. Hallelujah. Christ, the solid rock, I stand on the ground. The sinking sand, the rock won't move. No, the rock. Slip your hands up now. Just slip your hands up. Hallelujah. 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 You're on a firm footing if you're on Christ. Amen. That sand will not shift under you because of the rock. Hallelujah. 
worship you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord. Hallelujah. this sanctuary, up in the balconies, the galleries, under the balcony, this lower floor. Slip your hands heavenward. Revelator, as he looks into heaven, he said, I heard a noise as the voice of many waters. I want you to lift up your voice right now. Come on, I want it to sound like many waters in the house of the Lord. Come on, many waters, lift up your voice. Come on, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice.
Now say it with me. Worthy is the Lamb. Come on, say it. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everyone standing all across the house of worship. Worthy is the Lamb. I want you to find your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Everyone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm, I feel a shout still. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We got to shouting and praising the Lord in pastor's class a while ago. I'm telling you. Come on, everybody say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 5 is one of the most powerful passages of Scripture. Coming out of chapter 4, Jesus has been out in the wilderness for 40 days. Thank you, worship team. I, I want us to thank our worship team, leading us into the presence of God. Amen. God bless you. Amen. But Jesus comes out of the wilderness, and he's been 40 days fasting. And he comes out of that setting, but to prepare for the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5, he does a few things. He starts preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And I'm not going to go there what he preached those first few days and weeks, but it was important. Because I don't want to get stopped right there. But then he starts laying hands on the sick and starts performing miracles. Mind you, I believe everything that's happening in the end of chapter 4, he is setting the stage for when he builds his culture codes in chapter 5. He's about to reveal a culture of those that would be followers, those that would be disciples, those that would be in the kingdom. Amen. And so he's got to build this momentum and he starts preaching the kingdom. He starts healing the sick. And the Bible says as a result of that, multitudes start following him. His fame spreads through all the villages and the towns and the cities. And all of a sudden, at the end of chapter 4, in a very short time, mind you, I believe he's headed to chapter 5. He's headed to what he wants to do on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. Some teach that in the Israel that different parts of Israel resemble different organs of the Bible, or of the body, not the Bible, of the body. And if you look at the Sea of Galilee, it really does resemble a heart. Consequently, most of the ministry of Jesus was done on the Sea of Galilee. It really was his heart. And where does he give the Sermon on the Mount from? Right at the very northern shores right on that mountain slope where many of you have been with pastor, and every year we read the entire Sermon on the Mount. That is one of the most special places to read these chapters here. But Jesus is setting the stage for him to give his culture codes. And there, end of chapter 4, his fame is spreading. You start doing a lot of miracles, and instantaneously, the word spreads through the communities and through the places people, because people have need and they need to be touched by the master. Anyway, the multitudes come and he leads them up onto the mountain there on that northern shore of Galilee. 
and he sits down, and have, we have verse 1. And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set down, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying... Now, he's about to give eight culture statements. They will rock the world of the scribes and Pharisees and the religious people. But he's setting forth what the kingdom should look like, what his followers should be. Not just what they should do, but God's interested in what we should be. Everybody say be. How we live our life, how we conduct our affairs, core values that motivate us. He is setting in place some culture codes that are to become guiding principles and values. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You may be seated. We began last Sunday morning with this series on culture codes. And we reminded you that since 2009, this whole realm of thinking called culture codes has taken over in American business and enterprise it's also, I, I studied it out, what has happened since 2009, how so many corporations, so many businesses, and even ministries, they build these codes of culture. And it is to be their guiding lights, their value system, their belief system. I just wish that a lot of the businesses in America would remain true to some of their culture codes. But I also wish that some churches would remain true to some of the value systems, amen? The culture codes is to be who we are, what we believe, what makes us tick. And I want to remind us that we have a culture code here at Evangel Temple that is our, our motivation, what drives us. It is a belief system that makes us tick. Distinctive culture codes that belong to us and belong to this church fellowship. Now, there's 1,400 churches in the city of Jacksonville and the surrounding areas. Every church should have at the heart the Word of God and the preaching of the gospel. I can't help you if you don't believe in the cross and don't believe in the blood. I, I want to tell you, those are givens and those are foundational and we got to preach Jesus. Amen. And I, I don't want to, I don't want a mixed up Jesus and I don't want a generic Jesus. I want Jesus that is the truth. Jesus that is the truth, the way, and the life that no man that cometh to the Father but by him and that every knee that shall bow and every tongue shall confess that there is one name under heaven given among men whereby we can be saved. And I'm not going to shadow that name. I'm not going to hide that name. I'm not going to disguise that name. I want you to know that when you come to Evangel Temple, we believe in Jesus. That's not even in my notes. But there are distinctives, core values that help us to stay on point. I, I like slogans and I like companies that have slogans and I'll share a few in a minute. But, but there's core values that are much deeper than slogans. Business slogans, company slogans. Uh, I, I laid out for you last week 
something that I have a personal belief system that I believe America came into being as the divine providence of God. That motivates how I pray, how I, how I look at our nation, how I believe that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, that we've got to get God back in America that we've slipped away from our moorings, that we've slipped away from our foundational stones that, that helped America, that brought America into being. I believe we were formed by the divine providence of God, but I believe we've strayed from that. And we've got, because I believe we were formed that way, I want to help be a part of the solution of getting America back to God. I, I want to talk to you about fried chicken for just a minute. Amen. Let's talk about a subject that's near and dear to my heart. I believe that many a chicken's died and gone into the ministry. Amen. Well, I want to tell you a story, and it's a true story. I want to tell you a story about Colonel Sanders and starting Kentucky Fried Chicken, second largest chain of restaurants in the world. Second largest, over 21,000 restaurants. Were the chicken leader, if there is such a thing. But Colonel Sanders was a born-again believer. Well, he got saved and became a born-again Christian and realized how important it was to be tied to a local church. I know his pastor. I know him well. I know some of the, the ministers on the staff of that church. And I know the DNA that he, under God, emulated through a company that became so successful. It was billed as the number one chicken restaurant in all of the world up till two years ago. But I know for a fact that from his company, he gave away to an Assembly of God church millions and millions and millions of dollars to fund missions and to fund radio stations and television stations. He used his business to bless the work of God and God blessed him. Now, he had a slogan about his business and the slogan everybody probably knows that his chicken was finger. See, amen, amen. But he had a mission statement that was much broader, much deeper, core values. That he believed the hand of God would rest upon his ministry, his life, his business, if he would bless the work of God. And so another man gets in the chicken business. A few years after Colonel Sanders. And, and I've, read, I've read personal notes from Colonel Sanders to this pastor and the staff and seeing the personal pictures, and I know that history. But another man by the name of Truett Cathy started Chick-fil-A. And two years ago, Chick-fil-A, who has only one-sixth of the number of restaurants, became the number one chicken restaurant in the world of gross sales, actual dollars they brought in. They're listed as the number, they're listed in the top 10 most successful restaurants and financially secure restaurants and, and they make the most money. Here's a man that came in with a slogan that I didn't invent the chicken sandwich. I didn't invent the chicken, but the chicken sandwich. That's a slogan. 
I want to show you his mission statement in just a moment. He closes on Sunday. He believes that if God's in it, he can do it in six days. Let me tell you, this man for 50 years taught Sunday school in the fifth grade. Fifth grade boys for 50 years because he believed in Sunday school. I've heard his family give personal testimony to this. Closed on Sunday. Blessed his church. Believed. I want to read you the mission statement that he operates. This is You can go to their website and find this mission statement. We operate to glorify God by being faithful with all that he has entrusted us with and to have. To use as a positive influence on all who come in contact with our restaurants. They, they operate to glorify God. They operate to help build the kingdom. When you tie your life to what Jesus says is going to be successful, his church, when you tie your life and your, your vision and your mission in life and your business to what Christ says, these men were raised up and they became a, a blessing to the work of God and God mightily blessed them. And who in the world would think you could close one day a week and still be the most successful in the world? Only God can do that. But it's part of a belief system. It's part of core values. For 53 years, the Evangel Temple has been guided by some core values. A belief system. For 53 years, Pastor Cecil was a part of this church. And 15 weeks ago, yesterday morning, he was promoted into the presence of God. 45 of those years, he was lead pastor. The last eight years, he was pastor emeritus. But for 45 of those years, I served with him as co-pastor for 28 of those 45. And I never had to wonder where he stood. The value system, the, the core beliefs that he stood for. There, there were some guiding principles that you could always count on. As sure as the sun would come up tomorrow, I knew where he stood on issues and situations and how he conducted uh, uh, ministry revolved out of a mission statement and a belief system. And I want you to watch the screens. Welcome to Pastor Cecil's office. A lot of great conversations took place. Me on this side of the desk and my dad on the other side of the desk. For 41 years, minus one month, we worked together full-time here at Evangel Temple. And for 41 years, being able to sit across the desk, even though Dad retired eight years ago, became Pastor Emeritus, I would still come in and we would talk and we would share and talk about ministry and talk about reaching people. A lot of wonderful uh, conversations have taken place. and. And I just wanted to bring you into this office setting today uh, to just share a few thoughts that I believe are some guiding lights uh, for Evangel Temple. Pastor Cecil uh, was a very principled man uh, on his desk till the day before he was promoted into heaven. You have his Bible that he studied out of and it was left right there on this desk and because every day he read out of the scriptures, he studied the Word of God. There was also a message uh, there right above the Bible 
that he had left out. And uh, providentially, uh, I believe that uh, the message is entitled, There is Life After Death. Uh, pastor's life was guided by uh, principles and by values that kept everything on track. And many, many times I've been in this office through the years as we would discuss the church and things that were happening and direction for the church. I can remember years ago when the church was very small, that we had our deacons meetings. The whole deacon board uh, would fit into this room and uh, we would have our deacons meetings right here as, uh, as direction and, and uh, building programs were discussed. In fact, the whole new sanctuary that you're seated in worshiping in, the building program for that sanctuary was discussed and worked through right here in this office. So it's wonderful to be in this office and share some memories, but I'm thinking back to the many discussions that we had over the years. The pastor never once believed in changing the message. The message had to remain the same. The message still always had to be about Christ, about the blood, about the cross. You see, the message can never change. But one thing about Pastor Cecil, he was always very progressive because he believes sincerely the message never changes, but there has to be new wine being put in new wineskins. And he believed that the church had to be progressive, had to keep up with the hour, had to be a leader. And so through the years has always been willing to incorporate ways and things and plans that would help us reach more and more people. And God blessed those things and helped the church to reach out. I sat in this office uh, for many, many years and watched the innovation of pastor and the progressive attitudes to, to do things that, uh, where our culture was headed and things that were happening in society that could be a blessing in the church, not a detriment, but a blessing. And I watched pastor lead this church through many, many changes and many steps forward without ever compromising the word and the message that he preached. And I'm thankful for that heritage that we have. I'm thankful for uh, the way, and over the next few weeks, I'm gonna share some of the things that uh, down through the decades, some changes we made and people wondered what in the world? But pastor was always leading progressively. And whether it was building programs or whether it was incorporating technology, I'm telling you, he was always a leader, and I want to honor him today that he stayed principled. He kept those values, those core beliefs strong. The message never changed, but was always willing to use things that uh, were, would enhance the preaching of the gospel. From Pastor Cecil's office, I just think it's a wonderful heritage that we have as we look towards the future, as we look towards what God is saying to Evangel Temple and what God is wanting to do. I'm excited to have been able to sit in this room and then sit with the, the deacons who helped serve. We had Deacon Board of Seven that later was expanded to nine. And we sat here and dreamed dreams together and joined our faith together and saw God do some wonderful things. And eight years ago, Pastor became Pastor Emeritus. But you know, we continued to have those times sitting here and just brainstorming, envisioning what God could do for the future. I'm excited about what God is doing. And I know God's got something very special for us over the next few weeks and months.
we go. Can you say praise the Lord for the heritage and the foundation? Point number two, Jesus begins to share his core values of what the kingdom would look like. Verse three, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. That word poor means to divest yourself of self-sufficiency. It means to understand that without God, we are nothing. It is a humility of spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Friends, at some point, we got to get to the end of ourselves and realize we can't do this. He can. If God be for us, who can be against us? That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can't, you are not a self made man. You may think that, but let God cut your air off for about 60 seconds. Amen. Let him take your breath for just a few moments and you begin to realize, I need thee, oh, I need thee every hour I need thee. Listen, we need God and there's a humility that needs to be found in the body of Christ. Blessed are they, Jesus says, that are poor in spirit and it's a humbling of self. Men try tend to pride and men tend to arrogance and look what I've done but I want to sing it this way look what the Lord has done look what the Lord has done come on friends we need to give all glory blessed are the poor in spirit maintain a humble spirit before the Lord the sacrifices of God the psalmist said are a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart oh God thou wilt not despise Verse 4, he gives the second culture code. He says, blessed are they that mourn. That is not a premise for a sad face. That is not mourning. We just had a family get up because they're having to go attend a funeral uh, 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 thing that's going on. We preached their family's uh, funeral for their loved one yesterday. And, and, but it's not talking about that type of mourning. It's talking about a, having a repentant spirit. Blessed are those who are penitent, repentant. Those who understand that we need the forgiveness of God. You mourn over the past. You mourn over the waywardness. You mourn over your lostness. And you realize that it was God who was merciful to me. It was God who picked me up out of the miry clay. And he established my feet and my goings on a strong rock that we sang about. And he says, blessed are those that mourn. They're going to receive the comfort of the Lord. We need to be sorrowful for our past and be thankful that God brought us into his mercy and grace. Verse 5, he says, blessed are the meek. That means of gentle, mild spirit. It does not mean weakness. It does not mean doormat. I'm going to say amen to myself right there. I don't believe Christians ought to be doormats. But I watched a man for 63 years of my life. 41 years of ministry I watched him handle some very difficult, tough situations with the meekness of the Spirit of God upon his life, but the firmness and the love and the compassion that a spiritual elder exhibits. Hallelujah. Blessed are the meek. It doesn't mean we're weak, and that doesn't mean we're doormats to the world, but we exhibit the meekness and the gentleness. The scripture says, thy gentleness hath made me great. Maintain, this is culture. 
Let's maintain a meek spirit, a gentle spirit. Well, thank you for one amen. That's the third of the culture codes. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. I, I want to stir up some hunger. I hope you got hungry for some fried chicken a while ago. I'm going to be the first to the restaurant. Well, no, we're eating with the, uh, the, the new members today, but I know every fried chicken on the west side is going to be hit today. Amen. But blessed are they that hunger and thirst, not for natural carnal food. Blessed are they that are hungry for the things of God. What the world has tried to do is feed us and keep us, uh, uh, keep our appetite wet with all that the world is providing. Friends, there is a blessing upon those that will maintain a thirst for the things of God. We need to stir up some hunger for God's presence and God's word. Amen. They shall be filled. Get hungry. Wet your appetite on the Word of God. Allow your spirit to be desirous of more of the things of God. Our Sunday school lesson today was in Ezra and Nehemiah, the final uh, part of Nehemiah where the people came to Nehemiah. Read us the Word. They wanted to hear the Word. And from morning until midday, Nehemiah read the scriptures and it caused a revival to break out. I want to tell you, we need to get thirsty for the things of God. Get thirsty for the word. The devil will fill you with every reason why you don't need to do your devotions tomorrow. But you say, no, 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 devil. Amen. Feed your soul on the word of God and with the things of God. The fifth culture code in verse 7. Blessed are the merciful. That means to have a compassionate spirit. Don't shut your bowels of compassion up, James says in chapter 2, verse 15. The sixth culture code in verse 8 is blessed are the pure in heart. That is about a personal holiness. Listen, sin separates. I'm going to say it again. Sin separates. It will separate you from your family and friends. It will separate you from worship. It will separate you from the presence of God. Friends, that's what sin does. God says, blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. The reward of living a life of holiness. The Bible says, holiness without no man shall see God. This is a holy Bible. I can remember my dad saying this. And it's a holy lifestyle that we got to live. We got to come out from the world and, and, and pursue God and pursue holiness. Verse 9 is the seventh of the culture code. Blessed are the peacemakers. Wow. Come on, everybody, look at verse 9. They shall be called the children of God. I believe there's some people that think their spiritual gift, they took the gift assessment test, and they've come out of that assessment test, and here's my spiritual gift, Pastor. I'm here to stir it up. I'm here to stir up issues, stir up problems, stir up challenges. I want to tell you the Bible Jesus taught, there's a culture code. Blessed are the peacemakers. 
If you look that word up in the Greek, blessed means to be happy, to be fulfilled. Uh, there is a happiness in Christ that you're not going to find in the world. You can try to find your blessings in the world. You can try to find your happiness in the world. It ain't going to happen. But Jesus said, blessed and happy are those that will be peace. It comes, there comes a time that you need to be the one that spreads oil on troubled water. Amen. You walk into a situation uh, uh, where there's a beehive of, uh, uh, of, of, of things going, you just spread some honey right in there. Spread the sweetness of Jesus over that situation. Be the peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. There's grace on those. Verse 10 through 12. Blessed are they that are persecuted. I need the worship team to come back. Blessed are they that are persecuted. For righteousness sake. Look at what he's saying. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you, persecute you, say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Anybody ever had called you a name or accused you or persecuted for your stance in Christ? Listen, at some point, the closer we get to the coming of Christ, there's going to be more of that persecution taking place. And if you're not persecuted, if people do not rail against your Christian experience, at some level you need to examine what's going on in your life. Because the scribes and the Pharisees did not like Jesus. Those that have a dose, listen, America's filled with religion. What we need in America is relationship. And when you get in relationship with Christ, you're going to be a part of the bees, what we ought to be like. Amen. And we're going to be like Jesus. And if we be like Jesus, we're going to get persecuted. We're going to get called some names. But he took some righteous stands. He was willing to call out the religious leaders and say, you old whited sepulchers full of dead men's bones. I'm going to tell you, relationship with Christ will put you at enmity with the world and the religion of the world. Now, don't just go looking for trouble. Don't stick your finger in somebody's eye. Amen. But when you're just living the life and you're just being a representative of Christ because there is good and there is evil. There is light and there is darkness. There is right and there is wrong. There is a God and there is a devil. And just by living close to your God and trying to fulfill the bees, it's going to put you at enmity with the philosophy of the world. Because part of the bees is following this. He says, be salt. And salt's got to have savor. And light's got to pierce the darkness. And light's got to stand for truth. Hallelujah. But what I always like to say, we have to stand for truth and we have to speak the truth. But the Bible tells us how to do that. And I want everybody to stand. Speak the truth in love. I can remember evangelist Steve Hill. One of the last messages he ever preached in his life. He preached from this pulpit. We had discussions in my office, and I can remember him telling me, he said, Pastor Gary, preach hell so hot and so tormenting, but do it with tears just streaming down your face that you don't want to see men go to that place. 
and that men see the compassion that's in your heart. And friends, we can't approach the world pointing fingers. Speak the truth in love. Be one of his disciples. Live it out. Let people begin to say, what, 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 what's different about you? Amen. You didn't, you didn't handle that situation the same way somebody else would have handled it. Be eight codes, culture codes that Jesus gave here that we're to emulate, to be the true church, to be in true worship, to be new wine and new wine skins. I said that on the little video there because numbers of times over the years, Dad, in fact, he preached that passage numbers of times, but Jesus will never waste new wine on old wineskins. He just won't do it. He said the new wine is for the new wineskins because they won't crack and break. They'll be able to hold the essence of his presence. And I want to be a new wineskin. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to keep you but just a few moments, but I have to give an altar call. Because if there's anyone here this morning that does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, friends, I've shared one of the most important things that Jesus shared in his whole ministry, and that was the Beatitudes. He built his whole ministry on gathering people up on that northern shore, sending them down, and holding, telling them what they ought to be like. The whole Sermon on the Mount is built on those eight codes. And it's what we need to look like. And this morning, if you do not know Christ, or if sin has separated you from your loving Heavenly Father, I had to tell a packed auditorium yesterday in one of the toughest times you have to preach to people. God is still good and God is love and God can bring comfort even in one of the worst times of your life and I had to help a family deal with that yesterday a terrible tragedy but friends God's calling you to come to Christ so that he can start, start a cultural revision in all of our lives, making us like Him, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ, or you've allowed sin to separate you from Christ and from the body of Christ, I invite you to move from where you're standing and come to this altar right now. Move from where you're standing. Come on, anyone. You know there's a spiritual need in your life. You're not where you ought to be with the Lord. Some things have been going on. Anyone from up in the balcony, the lower floor, come on. If you should die today, if this should be the last service that you hear a gospel preacher, do you know that things are right? Do you know that you're ready to stand before God? God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. Amen. What about it? God bless you, sir. Amen. Come on, let's give these two a hand.
her honestly. God bless you, sir. Listen, if you don't know that you know that you know, I need some prayer partners down here. Come on. God bless you, sir. Amen. What about it, mama? Listen, there comes a time that we got to say no to the world. No to the devil. No to things that are pulling us away from God. We got to say yes to Jesus. Come on, mama. Somebody else needs to come. I, I'm telling you. I felt something so strong this morning about five o'clock about this altar call in this service. Not the one I gave in the early service, but this service, that somebody would be here, that God's trying to get your attention right now. Right now, if you need to be at this altar, that's why I'm taking my time because I felt it so strong about this altar call right now. That if you need to make peace with God, you need to get that straightened out today. Today is the day of salvation. Don't harden your heart as in the day of provocation, the scripture says. Come, come. There's somebody else that needs to come. Come on, if you haven't been living right, maybe there's some sin that's been creeping into your life. I invite you to come. God is merciful. God is a forgiving God. Every one of us are have, have seen his forgiveness and his mercy and grace. Come on, there's somebody in the balcony or the gallery you need to come right now, right now. Come on. God's calling you. God's calling you. Amen. God bless you for coming. Come on, let's give these a hand for coming. But there's somebody else that needs to come right now. This is a God thing. Come on, mama. Come on. Come on. Amen. Come on. I need some more prayer partners down here right now. Hallelujah. There's still somebody. Hallelujah. 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 Don't be afraid of those tears. Tears of remorse touch heaven. Tears of repentance catch heaven's eyesight. Hallelujah. I want everybody to slip your hands up. I want you to repeat this prayer. And everyone online right now, there's somebody. I'm wrestling with this in my spirit right now. Somebody needs to get right today, 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 right now. I'm going to lead this whole congregation, all of our online campus in prayer. Dear Jesus, I do believe that you are the Son of God. And with my mouth, I confess that you are Lord. I repent of my sins. Come into my heart and forgive me of all my failures, of all my past. I accept you by faith and receive your work in my life. I accept the grace and mercy of God. With your help, I will begin to live for you. I dedicate my life to being a disciple in Jesus' name. Come on, say in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. One more time. There's somebody else that needs to come. There's somebody else that needs to come. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray the blessing, the ironic blessing in just, just a moment. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. Lead us in that song one time and then I'm going to we'll declare the ironic blessing. and after we're dismissed anyone that needs special prayer these altars are open our prayer partners are down here if you have sickness in your body come down here and let us lay hands on you pray the prayer of faith over you if you want to stand in behalf of someone you come or you need you need a breakthrough partner to agree with you but come on we're going to read this blessing everyone lift your hands everyone online I believe in this. This is the word of God. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and to his sons who are priests with you, saying, On this wise, this is how you will bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee, and the Lord keep thee, and the Lord make his face to shine upon thee, and be gracious unto thee, the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give you his peace. You will put my name on your families, your children, the Lord says, and I will bless them. You cover your families this week with the name of the Lord. You declare Jesus over them. Amen. Amen. You just keep putting Jesus over them. Prophetically, you do that. And God says, I'll bless them. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed from the house of the Lord, but not from his presence.